refine the product, um, always work on refining the product, making the product the best version of itself, because ultimately that's what's going to bring people or service, sorry, um, product or service, you know, that's, what's going to bring people through the door, get people interested and, um, you know, have people wanting to invest or, uh, you know, wanting people to, or having people buy out your company. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Ben Wood. Um, so Ben, uh, growing or growing up in high school, decided he wanted to be a dentist. Didn't really know why. I think it was just uh, because it sounded like it was a good career that he could be able to have a good lifestyle. Went on a um, an LDS mission or a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, did uh, Chinese speaking. Came back from his uh, religious mission and studied uh, a bit in school. Started an e-commerce brand importing Chinese goods. Sold that business. Started a new brand in toys and games category in e-commerce. Sold that business as well. Then started his current business where he and the owners um, do a lot of things with brands on Amazon. And then uh, that's been completely self-funded and maybe looking into doing a bit of VCs, but, uh, or maybe may have had some VC offers, but wanting to stay independent, at least for now. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Ben. Thank you very much, Devin. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm, it's an honor for me. So thank you. Absolutely. So I just took a much longer journey and condensed it into 30 seconds. So why don't we unpack that a bit? So tell us a little bit about how your journey got started in high school wanting to be a dentist. Yeah. So, you know, I actually, um, I've said this many times before, you know, I, I wanted to be a dentist because I, I had a few family friends that were dentists and it seemed like they were doing well. You know, I didn't really know what it, it what really it, it required to become a dentist. I just thought, you know what, they're making a lot of money. This could be interesting, but I didn't even think of the uh, the time that's invested. I knew I was aware of it, but I didn't really, you know, think that in depth um, into this industry or, or into that uh, career path. And so ultimately, you know, um, I don't even uh, I, I don't even know if I'm worthy of saying that I really wanted to become a dentist. I just wanted to do something that, that, you know, put me in a good spot financially. And so, you know, in high school, that was kind of on my mind. I was also playing sports. Um, and so that's kind of all I, I was thinking about as well and hanging out with friends. So I didn't really have a lot of direction. Um, but I did end up, you know, I, I ended up getting a, an LDS mission call and I was called to Brisbane, Australia to speak Mandarin Chinese. And so that was kind of a, a, a big pivot moment for me where, you know, I then had a valuable asset that I could offer to people, which was the Chinese. And there are so many different things um, from translating or to importing products, you know, all over the spectrum as far as uh, that language use goes. And so um you know, from high school, not really knowing what I wanted to do. I went on this church mission. And then from there, you know, um, had a really good time, started learning Chinese. Uh, and that was, you know, as soon as I got back from my LDS mission, I was exposed to sourcing products from China. 
And I had made some connections in Australia that kind of gave me um, a good head start to, you know, figuring out how to source these products from China. And they introduced me, these connections in Australia introduced me to a couple factories in China where um, I started working on my first project. And it was a, it was a clothing company um, in 2015, 2016, beginning of 2016, it was a clothing company that, um, you know, I, I was trying to target the Chinese market as my consumer, but it was so hard logistically to manage all of it from the U S and so it really didn't last long. So that led into this men's accessory brand, um, that I started in 2016 as well. And that it, my uh, main consumer in the United States, and that started to pick up. Um, I was able to source uh, several different great designs and products that we conceptualized and designed ourselves and manufacture those at cost and then bring them here to the U.S. and distribute to several retail stores um, and then got into, you know, we had our own website where we were selling so we were very involved in e-commerce and in the paid ad space. And then we now, let went, me just dive yeah. in with one question as you're going along now. Help or just kind of set the stage for me. Was this, hey, I was doing this as a side hustle while I was in college or dropped out of colleges? This was massively successful. Right. Or yeah. I decided after the mission I didn't want to go to college and I wanted to do this first. Or kind of what was that uh, path that you're how did that yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a ton to dive into there. So I um I went on my mission, came back, and a good family friend hired me as a plumbing assistant. And so I was, you know, assigned to do all the dirty work of, you know, uh, crawling through crawl spaces and and cleaning up all sorts of messes. And I, um, you know, I was making 15 bucks an hour right off of my mission. And it wasn't uh, what I wanted to do. You know, I was saving up for school and ultimately I ended up going to school at um, BYU-Idaho for a semester. And then I transferred to Weber State. And then I ended up transferring to BYU. But prior to getting to BYU, while I was at Weber State, I had started that um, second company, which was that men's accessory brand. And um, there was definitely a lot of hiccups on that journey. But, you know, I realized um, quickly, you know, if we can sell X amount of products uh, per day, then I don't have to work as a plumbing assistant. And so that was kind of my first goal. And um, so I was able to quit that job. And I really only, you know, the first investment that I made into um, that first brand, it was like 500 bucks worth of worth of inventory. And um, from there, it started to snowball and, and get a little bit more, you know, we were making uh, substantial purchase orders uh, as we started to grow. But um, yeah, so I, I went to Weber State and my goal was to get into BYU. I didn't have the grades from high school to get into BYU initially right off the mission. So um, I, you know, I worked hard in college at the same time of creating this first company. And I finally was able to get into BYU, which was great. But after the first week of attending Brigham Young, I, um, you know, I, I'm, I didn't have time to go to school and run this company that I had started a year prior. And so, you know, it, it was funny because I worked so hard to get into BYU, but 
ultimately after the first week, I ended up dropping out of, of college and pursuing that men's accessory company full-time. Um, and so that was kind of, you know, that was the, uh, that was also a very pivotal moment for me when I could focus solely on this e-commerce brand or e-commerce slash retail brand that I was building for the last year. No, I think that makes sense. You know, and I think everybody, sometimes college is absolutely the right path when people are saying, Hey, this is, I want to have a degree so I can go in this field. Another time you're saying, Hey, I have a different opportunity that lines up with my interests. And I'd rather do that. And it makes more sense. And so you, you take the other path and sometimes it works out awesome. And other times you say, okay, I'll go back to college. And, you know, but I think that having that mentality of I don't have to be locked into one or one path that is a typical path, but here I, you know, I can take it or take time to actually, you know, pursue what I want to do and have that career definitely makes sense. Now, one thing I'll just hit on because you, you started a couple before you do the, the business that you're doing now, and we'll talk to that in just a minute you sold both of the e-commerce uh, brands at one point, right? So you originally had the importing of Chinese goods that you sold. And then you also had the one before the current company, which was kind of in the um, toys and games and some of the other ones that you did. With each of those sell, you know, selling of those brands was that, hey, we, I built it to a point and I think I can sell it. And then, you know, I'd rather pursue this or, hey, it's on the downturn. Let's make some money and get out before it goes to, you know, goes to the bottom or kind of what was the motivation for selling those along the way? Yeah. So just to clarify, the first one was a men's accessory brand. Okay. Um, and these, these are, so I had one prior to that, which was a clothing brand uh, that was the like Chinese facing, you know, uh, our goal was to have these Chinese consumers buy our product, but it didn't, that was a complete failure. But the one after that, the men's accessory brand that was here in the United States, that was, we, you know, we did pretty well. Um, and the, what led to selling that company was, I felt like I brought it to its highest point uh, because while I was running that that company, I was also at another startup that um, that helps companies with uh, like PPC management and Amazon advertising management, so stuff like that. So my buddy started that company. I joined him just for a little bit while I was at this other while I was running my own um, e-commerce company. And so, you know, it got to the point where I launched 60 or in total, probably like 75 products or so under our, under our men's accessory brand. And we put it in several retail stores. We had our own website. We had a ton of organic traffic and we were also on Amazon and Amazon was kind of the giant as far as go. Uh, amongst all of our sales channels, you know, we were making the most money from Amazon. And so um, it made sense to sell the company because I brought it to its highest point or highest potential, its highest ceiling that I could bring it to. So from there, um, sold that company and ended up uh, using those funds, you know, some of those funds to have some startup capital or an infusion of cash into this new brand, which um, was a toys and games uh, company. And so I launched that toys games company and um, scaled that up fast. And it was a similar thing. Um, The first brand, the men's accessory one had for about two years and eight months. The second one, it was actually... It was a little bit of the same thing, but we were selling exclusively on Amazon. So what happened was our sales were growing so much on Amazon. We had 
one of the you know e-commerce giants of Amazon um, offer to buy our company. And because you know it was at a point where like I I felt like I brought that company to its ceiling, but it also had a ton of potential where if it was in the right hands, it could get into retail, you know, Target and Walmart and all these other avenues. And so for me, it made sense to sell that company at the time. And again, that kind of, you know, that was um, a big blessing for me because I was able to use that as startup capital for ultimately this business now, which is Angora. And, um, you know, and as you know, we haven't had to take on any funding. We've, we've had several offers, but um, we've been able to be self-funded up to this point. So no, and I, and I think that's a good walkthrough because it's interesting, you know, when, what, what motivates people to selling is different. Sometimes you're saying, oh, I'm worn out. I don't want to do this anymore. Sometimes saying, Hey, I've, I've taken it to the point that I can take it. And if somebody, you know, to take it to the next level is beyond what I able to do, or even what I want to do. Sometimes you're saying, you know, there are people, and I'm probably, you know, a lot like that is it, the fun is the building the brand. The fun is the figuring it out. The fun is the getting it going. And then when it becomes a grown up business, so to speak, that some of that funds lost and you're saying, I'd rather continue to do that as a, an avenue or there's just another or something else I'd like to pursue or the time. And there's just so many different things that factor into. So it's always kind of fun to hear that. So now you've jumped over to where you're at today, which is, you know, the current business and maybe just uh, help explain kind of, you know, so you, you started your own e-commerce brands for, you know, a few different lines, sold those off. So I think this one's still related to Amazon, but in branding and that, but it's also helping other people on Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, totally. So <clears throat> this is what's interesting about our business is we sell exclusively on Amazon as a company. So we are an e-commerce portfolio that sells only on Amazon. But what we've done is we've opened up our portfolio to the public. So really anyone can invest in our portfolio. Um, right now we have about, we have just over 50 brands on Amazon that we have ownership in, but our clients also have ownership in these brands. Um, the way it started was, you know, we, uh, initially we wanted to, uh, essentially flip uh, Amazon listing. So if you've ever gone on Amazon, do you shop on Amazon? I do. Uh, I yeah, do so, fairly frequently. I would say most people have at least shopped on Amazon at one point or another, but I'm certainly totally. not the exception. I'm on, I'm on Amazon as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go on to Amazon and you look up a red spatula, you're going to see on the engine result page, of red spatulas and each of those spatulas uh, constitutes a listing. So that's a, a product listing, if you will. And so what the way we started was we were building these product listings and we would scale them for about three months and then when we would sell them. So we, we would invest, you know, our own money into these listings. So I would invest, you know, 10 grand into the inventory design, the conceptualization of the product, um, and developing the listing. And then we'd run it for about three months where we got it to the point of, you know, over 10 K a month consistently, just as one listing. And then we would sell it. And oftentimes the multiples were so high, uh, just for one little asset like that was, you know, it, it was because, uh, e-commerce is just such a trending marketplace right now an industry for a lot of investors. So, you know, we'd sell it for 60 to 70 K and, um, 
And we started doing this more and more. And so we started building kind of this business model where we were flipping these listings. But we we uh, quickly realized that there wasn't a ton of long-term incentive for us. You know, we build it up and then we sell it and then, you know, it's done. Uh, so what we thought and the turnaround time from building and selling those those listings was also it took several months. And so we decided that instead of selling these listings to our clients, why don't we partner with our clients and we build these listings, we build all of these brands and just scale them. And in exchange, we get, you know, a, a split of the profit on a monthly basis. And we also hold equity and all these different brands. So for us, you know, that had, there was a lot more long-term value with that business model. Instead of just creating these high value assets and then selling them off, we are, you know, we're partnering with these people. They come to us, we build everything because we're really good at it. And we, we source everything, we design everything, and then we launch it on the Amazon marketplace. Um, and we do it pretty fast and we hold equity in that business. Um, lifetime of the business and, and our clients have the option to continue to expand their product lines or to sell it off to a buyer similar to the way i did with with the previous brands that i owned oh no i think that's a, that's a fun and i always like when you're seeing a bit of an experimentation or a different model in the marketplace that a, a, it's a lot of times will align you know interests and, and pulling together in the same direction and also it gives everybody a bit of skin in the game so i think that's awesome so well, that kind of brings us up into a bit of where you're at today. And it's always a good time to, to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of each podcast. And so now as we kind of talk through your journey, the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, so, you know, that's that's a really good question. I've made so many horrible decisions while while trying to run these businesses, but I would say the one of the most um, influential ones that kind of had the most control um, on my first business was choosing or being so eager to choose a business partner. You know, I was uh, I was super young. I was 20 years old when I started that first company, and I was, or sorry, that second company. And I was um, I was so eager to choose a business partner because there was so much unknown for me. There was so much uncharted territory that I was not exposed to prior to that. And so for me, I just wanted to choose a business partner that didn't offer really any funding or any expertise. I just did it because <clears throat> I was I was eager to to just have someone that would share the burden with me. <clears throat> so I would say, you know, always be cautious with who you're choosing as your business partner. I think it's important to uh, develop a really good product first, and then, you know, you can add people to the team and and decide who a partner should be from there. Um, and even with my second or third company from that point, um, I, I was again, you know, kind of, I wanted someone to share the burden with. And so I was, uh, I was eager to add a business partner onto the team, but I ultimately um, waited until it made sense, until, you know, we either needed more expertise or more funding, because those are, those are really the two um, assets that someone can bring as far as, you know, people that deserve equity in a company. And so I, I definitely uh, suggest, you know, be very cautious about um, who you make a business partner. 
No, and I, and I think that's great piece of advice in the sense that, you know, a lot of times, first of all, I think at least, and I'm absolutely guilty, is a lot of times you go in thinking, hey, everybody is going to work as hard as I am. They're going to be as diligent. They're going to be as dedicated. They're going to, you know, want to build this. And sometimes that's absolutely true. And other times you bring on partners and they haven't been in the trenches with you or they're doing this as a side hustle or they don't, you know, they're not as dedicated or a myriad of other things. And it just can create that, you know, partnerships oftentimes you dive into them much more quickly than you should because you make a lot of those assumptions and if you get ones where the assumptions are wrong it can make the running the or business and uh, having that partnership a lot more difficult so i think that that you know choosing the business partner that is aligned if you're going to bring on sometimes you're just saying hey i'm not cut out don't want to do a business partner just want to do it on my own but if you're looking to bring on a business partner maybe to offset your talents or come on as an investor or whatever the reason i think looking at them and making sure taking the time to actually make sure it's a good partnership you know good be a good relationship definitely pays off so i think that's a great piece of advice second uh, question i always ask is if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them yeah so um that's also a great question because there's so many things but at the end of the day you know i think the best thing that you can focus on as a young startup founder or even if you just joined a startup is to refine the product. Um, always work on refining the product, making the product the best version of itself, because ultimately that's what's going to bring people or service, sorry, um, product or service. You know, that's what's going to bring people through the door, get people interested, and um, you know, have people wanting to invest or uh, you know, wanting people to or having people buy out your company. There's, uh, I, I think there are so many. Um, mistakes that happen in the startup world, especially here in Utah, where people want to seek funding prior to even even having a product. And so they give away part of their company prior to even having a tangible product that that has um, real life use cases. So uh, I yeah, I would suggest, you know, always always work on the product first, even if you don't have a ton of funding, um, just work on what you can with your current resources. And like I said, that's what, you know, with us at Angora, that's what we did. We started as a business that would flip these listings and we got so good at creating these e-commerce assets that scale super fast and they get to sustainable revenue fairly quickly. Um, and then, you know, we started selling them that gave us more funding and that also proved our product. You know, we were able to refine our expertise, our skills, our launch sequences on Amazon. And ultimately what it created was um, this super valuable product, which now we, uh, like I said, we've, we've got this massive, well, it's, it's a pretty big portfolio, but it's growing really fast. And it's continuing to grow very fast um, every single week. And so because of, because of us focusing on the, <clears throat> on the product first and everything else second, <clears throat> excuse me, we were able to uh, grow super fast. And so we worked on the product and now, you know, we've been able to sell it to so many people. And now we have thousands of products in our queue that are, that are ready to be launched. And um, now we have people approaching us saying, hey, we want to buy 20% of your company. Hey, we want to buy 50% of your company or 
you know, VCs wanting to invest. And so it's, it's been a very cool experience for us. Um, and it's all happened because we refined the product first and then added on everything else that comes with a startup second. So like I said, sorry, that was a long answer, but, you know, ultimately um, focus on the product first, you know, product is number one. No, and I think that's, or service, depending on which industry, but I think focusing on that first, figuring it out and actually getting a product or service that you're going to sell is, you know, is a proper order rather than looking at so much of, hey, I got an idea, now I'm going to go get money in there, I got to do an IPO or got to get investors or anything else. I think putting that initial focus on, hey, what am I going to sell, whether it's a product or service and how am I going to sell it is a place that you need to start because that's really what's the, the business is going to live or die on in the, in, in the end and ultimately so. Well, great piece of advice. So now if uh, people want to reach out to you, if they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah. So uh, first you can go to the Angora website. It's angora.solutions. If you want to get in touch with us, um, there's there's several uh, contact forms on there. And then if you want to contact me personally, my LinkedIn is just Benjamin Wood. And you'll see two Chinese characters next to my name. That's how you can find me. Um, and then uh, Instagram, Ben32Wood. If you're on that, I'm there as well. And so, yeah, any if anyone wants to reach out, please feel free. Always happy to answer questions and help when I can. All right. Well, I definitely encourage people to, to reach out, make connections, and, uh, and uh, get to know Ben even better. If nothing else, make a new best friend. Well, with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd uh, like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Just feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Apply to be on the show. A couple more things as a listener. Make sure to subscribe, share, and uh, and otherwise uh, make sure that you uh, support the podcast because we love sharing everybody's journeys. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, trademarks, or anything else in the business, go feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Ben, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Awesome. Thanks, Devin. Have a good one.